This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Bubba. Bubba Rogers, love boy, express. Dennis the Beautiful. Bobby, you all know him, and you know something, Tony? I've said many times that my mother's a wealthy woman. She has a lot of influence with people. Well, Bubba Rogers is an old friend of the Cornette family from Louisville, Kentucky. Every time that my mother's had a little job that needed to be done or a debt that needed to be collected, some little errand or something, Bubba's been more than happy to do it for a little financial recompensation. But, you know, hey, everybody's out to make a living, and Bubba was sent down here because, you see, with those backstabbing, backjumping James boys on the loose, Dusty and Magnum, with them trying to jump me from behind, do me bodily harm, these men are the world tag team champions. They got to concentrate on getting in that ring and defending their title and wrestling the best they know how, which they're the best at. So Mama sent Bubba down to be my bodyguard, Tony. And from now on, I'm going to say this, James boys, and anybody else that wants to lay a finger on me or do me any kind of harm, you're going to have to go through Bubba Rogers. And believe me, James boys, you talk about being outlaws. Well, Bubba Rogers has done some pretty nasty things in his time, and he's not opposed to doing a few more as a favor to me and my mother. He's been taking care of me for a long time now. So, James Boyce, that's the notice. Bubba Rogers is my bodyguard. Lover boy Dennis and beautiful Bobby are going to be defending the world tag team titles as best they know how, and I know what you're going to say. We want to see it take. But, James Boyce, they're back jumpers in addition to that. Jim Crockett promotions on their side. Let's take a Everybody look at the tape that we're talking we about. You're talking about unmasking the James boys, David. That's what he's been talking about for a long time. We're going to take a look at the Jim James Crockett boys. Jim promotions is on their side. Everybody's on their side because the plain fact of the matter is we would have had them right here if it hadn't been for the sneaky trick. Look at that. We come in the ring. Hey. They after talk about the James Boys, we're coming in after the James Boys, and now, Jim, here is your chance to expose the James Boys. We're trying to expose the James Boys, but look what happens. Look what happens. As soon as I get in the ring, I tell my boys, I said, get the mask off that clown. Let's see his ugly face. Let's show the whole world his face. And look at this, the ultimate indignity. Jim Crockett promotions, I know is behind him. I know that everybody was paid off to do this. It's that bum, that no good clown, Tony Zane, yeah. and look who's behind the He's clown. one of the James boys. Dusty Rhodes. No, it wasn't one of the James boys. Well, they came from the black the mask and the, 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 the riding coats. He was one of the fake James boys. He wasn't one of the real James boys because the real James boys are fake James boys. That's right. That means the, 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 the Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA is who the James boys are, and everybody knows it. And it was Tony Zane and some other clown that got hired by Jim Crockett and the NWA. Who's against me? What do you want? Okay. Um, Jimmy Cornette, I here. dare you. I dare you to get in the ring during a bash because, you see, I have a little surprise for you. You see, because I don't think you'll get any tights in the bash because I'm going to put my curves in the tights because I've got a little surprise for you. Dusty and Magnum TA have taught me something that's going to blow the whole United States, the whole world away, and I'm going to put it on you, Cornette. That's my dare to you. Sounds like, sounds like a challenge to me. Hey, hey, I know what Dusty Rhodes and Magnum TA have been teaching her. Baby doll, ain't no woman in the world. No woman in the world can beat a man in a wrestling match. You want me in a ring, you fat hog, you got it. Oh, my goodness, and I rate Jim Cornette. This has not been his day. Coming right back. Place to be Nation Wrestling Network. Welcome back to episode 48 of the NWA Croc and Roll podcast. I am hosting once again, I am Callum McDougall, uh, sitting in the hot seat for Sean Kidd as he enjoys some rest and relaxation after globetrotting uh, the uh, 
the, the potential host cities for the 1987 Crockett Cup. Um, but fear not, as the uh, the three quarters of the horsemen are with you for this one. Joining me first is the co-host of the NWA Saturday Special, Dr G. Uh, Dr G, how are you? I am doing great, doing great, enjoying uh, breaking down these Crockett shows, you know, May, May of 86. Um, yeah, pretty busy month. Uh, maybe not as busy as April, but, uh, but, but I'm enjoying it. You know, the thing is, it just takes you back. And then, you know, on the last episode, just I didn't remember that Steve, Mr. Electricity Regal was in Crockett. So sometimes it jogs my memory on things that I couldn't remember. So good stuff. Looking forward to uh, to breaking down the tonight show. Yeah, it's it's good to uncover. Um, good to uncover uh, hidden gems, uh, quote unquote. Maybe uh, Mister Electricity might turn out to be a gem, right enough. Um, but yeah, it may has been it may has been a, a a good ride as well. Um, joining us for the ride to close out May eighty six is. Um, the the one and only Scott Shifflett. Chef, how are you doing tonight, sir? Well, I'm a whole lot better because I don't have to watch that horrible Arn and Wahoo match that we talked about last episode or even talk to talk about it again. That Mr. Two point five Sean gave it when it's really a point five. Yes, the but um the the, the mysterious uh two and a quarter, two and a half um, star rating for that one. Uh, we still haven't uncovered whether or not um, it is a, it's a typo, whether or not we've watched the same match, um, and we've not actually uncovered the name of the mystery highway to the Impact Zone uh, host that has um, given it two and a half stars. Uh, so the investigation continues. Um, we'll go SummerSlam 94 and get Leslie Nielsen on the case um, to, to, to try and uncover this one because it was... It was a, a mystery to the three of us, um, but it did lead to, to to one of my one of my all time favourite um, couple of minutes on on the podcast where we all collectively ranted um, about the match and uh, that that particular rating as well. Yeah, that is very true. So it's like, yeah, come on, that that's a terrible match. Every every cloud has a silver lining, uh, but hopefully. Uh, this episode we won't provide you with any um, strange ratings or um, rants about how, how bad things are um, and we kick off uh, the this episode will um, fully take place around um, or the majority of it will take place around the 31st of May episode of World Championship Wrestling and we open up the podcast with uh, a promo from Ricky Morton the segment begins with house show footage um, from a Ricky Morton-Rick Flair match where it shows a horseman beat down and Flair breaking Morton's nose with a knee drop off the second rope whilst Morton is being held down. And then a second one uh, just from the from the ring, um, again, whilst he's being uh, held down. Um, Morton comes to the desk wearing a mask and has another one in his hand. Morton says that Flair has been out here, uh, out of the podium week after week, putting the Rock and Roll Express down, and that Flair is jealous because he can't beat the Rock and Roll Express. He says that he's had two specially made masks made, so he can get back in the ring with him because the way he's, the way he was brought up, it's an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth before walking off. A little bit later on, Flair is out and showing off a brand new custom fitted suit that he says and says that he's uh, looking much better now than how the horseman left Ricky Morton looking. He says that Morton is now going to carry around a mark that he will have for the rest of his life because he dared to think he was half the man that Flair is. He says that Morton crossed the line uh, into no man's land and now that makes him fair game for the four horsemen. He then asked David Crockett to ask him something and David is only too happy to do so, asking why it took four of them to beat down Morton. Flair says that he wasn't in trouble, but that Arn and Tully came down to congratulate him on another great victory and Morton attacked them. He then makes his first comment in a while about how all of Morton's fans uh, are young girls using a kid's bikini as a prop, which seems unnecessary, which seemed unnecessary as he walks off wooing. Um, two good promos, and if you ignored the last 30 seconds of the Flair one, they are even better. Um, Flair had some had some excellent uh, lines in it, um, namely that uh, Morton will carry around a mark for the rest of his life because he dared to think he was half the man Flair is. Um, and this was just 
textbook textbook flair um, giving us a couple of sound bites um, to remember the promo by. Uh, so start off with you, Scott. Um, what are your thoughts on these these dueling promos from uh, Ricky Morton and Ric Flair? I love the Horseman beatdown of Morton. Like he's such like a baby face you can get behind, and them just you know holding him down, and my Flair drives the knees in, and you know quote unquote breaks his nose, and um, you know now we see Ricky and he has like the face mask on and like you know the black eyes, which you know as a kid I'm sure I would have been like oh my god look how hurt he is, but now it's like oh I can clearly tell that's um, makeup. Just a great scene, and. You stole my favorite line from me, Callum. A little upset that the horseman came to congratulate Flair for winning. I love that. That was just a great line. And I actually thought it was funny when he brought out the bathing suits for Morton's girlfriends. I just, it's just like a smarmy Flair thing to do. And then Flair <laughs> said that he's there to stay forever and he woos, which by the time this airs, Flair may have died at, uh, at the Starcast event. So we don't know if he's here forever or not. But it just, uh, like, when people think of 80s Ric Flair, of how, like, smarmy he can be, this is what people should think of. Just of, like, how he's... He also said he was looking better than Ricky Morton, which I loved. And, like, he's just laughing it off and everything. I, I, I just ate it up. Just a not, hell of a knockout segment for both Morton and Flair, which I'm shocked this feud is still going, guys, to be completely honest, because it seemed like Flair had moved on to, uh, to Hulk. Uh, yeah, well, it seems like it's got it seems like it's got a, a, a wee bit um, a, a bit of juice left in it yet. Um, Doctor G, what are your thoughts on these two promos? Let me tell you, uh, does Morton sell well or what? I mean, when you watch that beatdown, he is just so awesome. I mean, and the chemistry these two had together, and like I said, Flair said this is one of his favorite opponents. And you felt it when I remember at that time because Ricky Morton was so popular. You felt like Ricky Morton was going to be possibly be the next champion. You know, like they really, really set up that feud so well. And, you know, Flair being so swarmy that he is, that's uh, again, he just created good heel heat by just the things he did. He said, um, and it just it makes you want to see these two go at each other. You know, Flair, just like Dusty, sometimes had his hand in a bunch of different feuds as well. So, even though it's moving on to Hawk, this this Flair-Morton thing kind of goes on, on and off for a while. They Again, they just had great chemistry. And Ricky Morton, the, the Rock and Roll Express, people do not do not realize. Obviously, the Road Warriors were very popular. Um, but the Rock and Roll Express, they were up there in the top, you know, two or three most popular draws in wrestling at that time. So don't, don't discount that. I mean, you know, they, they, they sometimes were the, on the A show, you know, like when they would tour, you know, like, I, I know they didn't call it like that, like they did WWF, but like you wanted to be on a card that the rock and roll express were on uh, back in those days. So um, just love it. I love, I love this whole setup. I love, uh, the the chemistry between Flair and 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 Morton and you know Morton um, you know doing the great sell job and yeah no he wasn't the best on the mic but he wasn't also the worst either so um, you know just one of those guys you know when you were younger you, that, that was the guy you wanted to root for the underdog you know Ricky Morton so good stuff absolutely um, couldn't agree couldn't agree more yeah I can imagine. I can imagine guys looking at the looking at the booking sheet if they saw that they were on with they saw that they were on with the uh, the Rock and Roll Express. You're not disappointed because you're on the you're on the loop that's getting main evented by a tag a tag match because yeah, I can imagine the uh, I can imagine the those nights that the Rock and Roll Express were headlining were probably serious money makers for the guys as well. So good stuff. Um we move on. Uh, to our next segment, which starts um, with Sandy Scott introducing himself as he is the chair of the press conference that we've all been waiting for, the contract signing for the United States Championship match between Magnum TA and Nikita Koloff. Scott uh, announces that the match will take place on World Championship Wrestling Live on the Superstation on Saturday, June the 8th, which just happens to be a week from as a week from the episode that we're watching it. 
Scott passes the uh, contract to Magnum TA, who signs it without hesitation, and then uh, moves it over to Ivan, who goes over it one last time before <laughs> signing it, saying that it is in line with everything that they had agreed upon. Scott introduces Ivan formally as the spokesperson for Nikita, um, as he says the statement he as he says he has a statement he wishes to make. <clears throat> he begins by saying that because of all the controversy and coming to the agreed terms, um, Magnum, but, uh, despite all the controversy, excuse me, and uh, coming to the agreed terms, uh, Magnum will finally meet Nikita for the US title, and Nikita will beat him for the US title. Nikita takes over and questions why Magnum has brought his mother with him and calls him a mummy's boy, which Magnum doesn't take too kindly to. Nikita continues on about Magnum's mum and goes one step too far, which leads to Magnum hopping the table and diving on Nikita. Sandy Scott takes a tumble in the ensuing chaos as the Koloffs lead Magnum Lane as they walk off. We then head back to the table where Tony has Jim Crockett Jr. who reiterates that we will have the US title match next week in his usual charismatic manner. It's a very straightforward and effective segment, I thought, um, and another instance of JCP using something like this to great effect. And um, as I said in, in, in the last episode about the um, the, the Crockett Cup reveal, um, I'm a sucker for this type of thing. To make it look as if it's uh, it goes beyond... Um, your usual professional wrestling tropes and into something that looks like uh, a legitimate sport. I'm all over that. Um, so I, I thought this was, I thought this was, this was very good. Um, Doctor G, what are your thoughts on the US title press conference? You know, I'm a sucker. I love, I always love the press conference thing, and you knew something was always going to happen. You know, that's just <laughs> the reality of it. Um, but. I love, you know, when they pass the contract, I always wonder what the heck are they really signing? You know, like, is it a real contract? I was trying to, <laughs> to see, you know, like, um, I always wonder what they use for that, but I like when they pass it over to Ivan and he's looking over it intently and, you know, he's, he's, you know, it's like really serious. And then, you know, of course, you knew once he started putting down, you know, TA's mom and all that, then you knew, you knew where that was going. Um, but again, good heel heat, good stuff makes makes the match seem really big. You know, like this is a, a big time event. There's a contract that's being signed. Uh, you know, the, the Russians you know, they, they had to get permission from the Kremlin. You know, they just make it seem like it's bigger than it really is. And, um, you know, the, the funny thing is, is that maybe some of the matches between the two weren't always the greatest but the people wanted to see it and it put seats in, uh, you know, butts in the seat. So good stuff. I, I, I like, I like, I love this stuff. So I always get a kick out of the uh, whole press conference thing. Yeah, me, me, me too. And it, it did look when I, when I, when I saw, I was having, I was, I was like, you, yeah, I was looking intently to see what, um, Ivan was looking over. It looked like a car lease. He was signing off with all the information on it. Um, but it makes you think if he's looking over it, my first thought that Magnum signed that straight away. Magnum has signed up for something he maybe shouldn't have. Um, so we will see um, if that leads anywhere. If, I'm, if my instincts are correct, um, Scott, what are your thoughts on the on the press conference? Not to sound like a broken record, but like these press conferences that aren't in the ring, but like somewhere else, add like a bit of gravitas to matches. Like I remember um, Flair does a um, one on a boat. I think with Flair. In the late 80s and i it it's just a hell of a visual but with this one i loved magnum getting called a mama's boy and then nikita saying woman in the soviet union is needed to stay at home and like <laughs> you know and he goes that's that's why it proves that the women in soviet union are better than your mother and then you know nikita of course starts fighting him and the russians like beat down magnum and it was just a great visual and you know we're finally going to have this match next week which is crazy that they're just giving this away on t- on you know random TV. I thought it'd be more of a build up to be honest. I know we've been building to it, but like this seemed like just another step to like, oh you know I want it on my terms, quote unquote. Like we signed for the match, but I want it for my terms of like where it will be. You know you know maybe maybe that's in the contract that Magnum didn't read with this fifteen you know percent a- a- APR rating, but um. No, it's. Uh, I'm looking forward to this match because it's been a lot of build up. So, and I can't believe it's just happening so soon. 
Yeah, I'm, ju- I'm just thinking that. I mean, you just mentioned that the the match could be the match could be anywhere. I mean, how if they had waited if they had waited a couple of weeks, you could have easily have said that, like, and filmed it in a in, in a studio somewhere or a or a, a warehouse somewhere, get a few extras and say that the match they had signed the match from the, the uh, to take place in the Kremlin, and you have you have like a couple of weeks of of Magnum. Going out to Moscow and, and all that sort of thing, it would have been. But I suppose it, it, hindsight's a wonderful thing. Uh, almost forty years in the, almost forty years in in, in the future. Um, but no, again, suckers, suckers for, um, for press conferences and uh, as we mentioned in the last one, big changes happening this week. Hopefully that's a trope that they can that, that a certain new head of creative can uh, can can maybe reintroduce back into back into uh, the the. Uh, the flamethrower, as the podfather will say. So we move on to the the next segment. It is a Tully Blanchard interview. Um, Tully and JJ are out at the podium with Tony, um, who asks JJ about a tape that he's been talking about. Uh, JJ says it is a tape of the Friday, May twenty third, nineteen eighty six event at the Norfolk Scope, where wrestling history was made as it was the first time that rugged Ronnie Garvin, Mr Hands of Stone, was knocked out cold. The video begins, uh, we see the video and it begins with Garvin in the ring and JJ talking to the ring announcer because Tully is wearing a sling. Now I'm going to recap the video as the interview with JJ and Tully has been drowned out mostly by the crowd noise. So uh, the video continues and uh, Dylan has Leo Burke with them. Uh, Burke being a former Canadian Golden Gloves champion, according to the commentary, uh, according to the comments in the background. Um, and Burke is going to replace Tully in a match with Garvin, which looks like it's a taped fist match. Tully hypes up Burke's boxing abilities at the table. Um, I can hear that. And Garvin, uh, in the video, is wheeling away at Burke before JJ comes in the ring. Uh, Garvin ducks a shoe attempt, a shoe shot attempt uh, by ducking, uh, and Dylan hits Burke in the forehead. Garvin then knocks JJ into Tully on the eight, who's on the apron, and he and Tully falls to the floor. Tommy Young is counting Burke down when Tully comes in and tackles Garvin from behind and starts to beat him down. Obviously, this sling is a ruse, and there is nothing wrong with Mister Blanchard. Um, you can hear the interview a bit better now as Tully goes on a tirade about the fist tape, saying it's just a regular, it's just regular athletic tape. But look what the regular athletic tape is doing to Garvin, um, and he compared himself. Um, Hilariously to Sugar Ray Leonard and Garvin to Roberto Duran, um, which I thought was I thought was excellent. Um, Tully finishes the beatdown with a pile driver on the chair. Um, I thought this was just good stuff all round. I love I love the 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 Sugar Ray Leonard and and, and Roberto Duran um, comparisons. Um, yeah, just uh, just excellent stuff all round. Uh, another home run from Tully and JJ on here. Um, so, Chef, uh, what are your thoughts on this one? Tully was on another level right here. I loved it. I, I love, like, how they were showing the highlights of the match and his arms in a sling. And, like, obviously it's a ruse. We all know it's a ruse. But, like, he just, you know, we wait for it. And, like, when JJ goes down, he's like, that's why you have, like, a different plan, a backup plan for everything. And Tony's like, like a safety blitz, which I watch football, and that has nothing to do with, like, a backup plan, Tony. But, um... I loved how Tully was just lot, knocked him out with a tape fist. So hopefully we get some tape fist matches where Tully can shut up Garvin and let him be the bum that he is because it, it was just great. Like Tully was just a madman. Oh, you see how much it, it uses with this? And Dusty didn't wanted you to use the tape. And now look at me using the tape. And he knocks him out. And they're like, and JJ was like, history was made by Ron. Um, I, I just loved it. Those two guys were great right there. I'm sorry, I, I I can't gush over it anymore. No, it was it was excellent stuff. The Tully is on fire at this point in time. Uh, Doctor G, what are your thoughts on this one? Not much more I could say. I I totally agree with you guys. Tully is on uh, in May. He is having some of his best promos, uh, and I just love how he just. He kind of is like trying to get in the head of Ronnie Garvin, which is just phenomenal. And the whole ruse of being in the the sling. And uh, I love that, like you said, the 
the Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran reference, you know, especially, you know, that's pop culture back in that time. Um, so just, just good stuff. Again, the horsemen, it's almost kind of unfair to the rest of the roster because you got four, well, really five guys that could just, you know, if only was there, you know, but that could just out talk just about anybody and just, just good stuff. I mean, uh, uh, J, um, JJ and Tully are really on, uh, in May. That's all I could say. Oh, absolutely. And you're right what you say. It's almost unfair to guys. There'll, there'll be guys on the, there'll be guys on that roster who are crying out for a, for a manager like JJ to do the talking for them. And JJ is with Tully who doesn't need a manager to do the talking for him. But as you said in the last episode, they're a match made in heaven and it's just, yeah, they're on fire. They've been on fire throughout this whole month um, and long may it continue. Uh, so someone else who's been on fire for the whole month is one James E. Cornette. Uh, and the next segment uh, involves Cornette at the table with Tony, the Midnight Express and his new bodyguard, Big Bubba Rogers. Cornette says that Bubba is an old family friend and they used to do some odd jobs for Mama Cornette, so she sent him down to be a bodyguard for Jim. He says that Bubba has done some very nasty things in his time and that the James boys are on notice. We then see footage of the Midnight Express trying to unmask one of the James boys. They manage to unmask the larger of the two gentlemen and it is, of course, Tony Zane. America's team then came out to make a save, proving once and for all that they are absolutely 100% categorically not the James gang. Tony reiterates that Zane must be one of the James boys and James E almost has an aneurysm saying that Zane is a fake James boy because the real James boys are the fake James boys and the, and the real fake James boys are Magnum TA. And <laughs> that was Rhodes. amazing. I can't believe how you were able to get that, Callum, because when <laughs> Cornette said that, I was like, I'm so confused right now, but it made perfect sense and you like got it verbatim. That was, that was great. Thank you very much. Uh, Cornette's evening is about to get even better as Baby Doll makes her way out to the podium. Baby Doll dares Cornette to get in the ring during the bash tour because Magnum and Dusty have taught her something that will blow the United States and the whole world away, and she's going to put it on Cornette. Jim then says what we're all thinking when he says he knows exactly what Dusty and Magnum have taught Baby Doll, and he says that no woman can beat a man in a wrestling match, and he accepts her challenge for the Great American Bash. So. Jim Cornette against Baby Doll is on for the Bash Tour. Um, excellent stuff from Cornette as usual. This was this was this was a class, even a class above even what he's been doing already. He really is firing all cylinders with this angle, and he is selling it to absolute perfection. Um, yes, absolutely fantastic stuff from Jim Cornette. Uh, Doctor G, what are your thoughts on it? Uh, you know. Um... I love Jim Cornette. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, and he talks so fast, and he gets everything out. Like, you know, the whole thing with the James boys—it's just like making him crazy. Um, look at Bubba Rogers. I mean, look how young he looked there, right? I mean, it's it's crazy to, to the future uh, big boss man there. But he, one thing about Cornette, again. Just what he says is interactions, the way he he reacts to things, and he gets so crazy. Again, just perfect heel heat, and man, he could talk with just about anyone. I mean, it's just amazing. It's the stuff that just comes out of his mouth, and you know that stuff's not scripted. He just goes out there, and you just uh, you know pull the cord, and there he goes. Um, so I, uh, I, you know, I'm I'm always a sucker for a good Jim Cornette promo and this was one of them yeah you're right no, and you're right when you say none of it is scripted he talks so fast but even the bit where even the bit where he's talking about the real and the fake james boys he knows exactly what he's saying that's that came out exactly as he planned it was just yeah just he is absolutely excellent at this time hey scott what are your thoughts on it Outside of me, you know, telling you how great you did right there, him saying that Bubba was an old friend of the family, which, like, I guess they, they never really said what Mama Cornette did, but it made it sound like 
you know, Big Bubba was like collecting sports sports gambling debts from me and uh, Jacob Williams, and by breaking legs when we didn't pay. So, um, you know, I I love that he's like now that he's sent down to take care of the James boys, and you know, I love like the fake unmasking and like Cornette just losing his damn mind over this, and him like, you know. <laughs> shitting on baby doll oh i'm sure magnum and dusty taught you some moves oh god i I lost it with that but you know i said last episode maybe we're gonna get a cornet and baby doll confrontation but it looks like it's gonna be a full-blown match and should be interesting um hopefully uh hopefully bubba's there to take care of his man that's all i'm saying we uh well that is you you did you called it um, and we can we can only wait and see uh, how Bubba and uh, Baby Doll, or how Bubba deals with Baby Doll uh, at, at the Great American Bash. Now, speaking of the Great American Bash, uh, Tony and David are at the podium for our next segment, recapping what we already know about the Great American Bash tour, and then throws to a video announcement from NWA President Bob Geigel regarding Ric Flair and the World Heavyweight title when it comes to the tour. Geigel hypes up that the tour is going to 14 different cities and this tour will be one of the biggest and most spectacular presentations in the history of professional wrestling. He then announces that Flair will take on Road Warrior Hawk in Philadelphia on the first night of the tour. The interviewer, who, apologies, I don't know the name of and I don't recognise him, so answers on a postcard, um, tells us that Flair is currently due to defend the title 14 times in 30 days. Um, and ask what would happen to the remaining title defences in the event that Flair was to lose the title at some point during the tour? A very valid question indeed. Geigel tells us that um, this will absolutely tax the champion and the new champion will automatically step in to the remaining bookings as world champion if uh, a title change was to occur. Geigel then takes some time to congratulate Jim Crockett Promotions on the tremendous presentation that he is undertaking. Again, I thought this was a very quick and effective way to get uh, across some of the big updates on the Bash Tour. Um, presenting it as a special announcement from the NWA president, as opposed to Jim Crockett Jr. coming out to the podium, added a bit of gravitas to it too. So, I, again, I think we're, we're, me personally, and I think hopefully that you guys as well, are going to start sounding like a broken record when we talk about how how excellent and effective these these type of segments are. Um, but yeah, I, I, I love this one again. Um, hopefully, I've not taken the words out of your mouth, Scott. Um, what are your thoughts on this one? Flair is getting hosed. He's got to wrestle. You know, this man's <laughs> going to wrestle forty five minutes to an hour every night, fourteen times in thirty days, and you know he'll stay up. He'll be up twenty one out of twenty four hours. You know, doing coke, banging, and you know, partying. And this man has to wrestle, and you know, it's just crazy. It's like they're setting him up to fail, which obviously is the thing. But I wish it was more of a storyline reason. Now, I don't know if that's because, you know, I grew up like I grew up watching like you know, I wasn't even born when this was happening. Like I grew up in the '90s and like the 2000s and everything, watching wrestling. Um, so. I, like I would like to more if it was a storyline reason for like Flair saying like oh no one can you know beat me for the title and you know maybe him and Crockett have a thing where he's like all right you'll wrestle six times and Flair's like make it seven and then like you know what you know what about eight and then ten then they get to fourteen and you see that Flair's scared instead of them just announcing you know um, Bob Geigel who has the pers- the personality of a, a a door a door stopper who's doing this announcing for us but. Flair's really going to show that he's the best in the world 14 times in 30 days in hot ass outside all over the um, the southeast. Uh, well, that, that, sorry, that I'm remains, all over the place with that. No, sorry, that remains to be seen because he could he could very well lose it on, on night one to Road Warrior Rock. But you know that's not going 45 minutes because as we found out previously, Hawk can't last more than 30. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I get your point about about the story. Now, I, I don't know if, if the story that they are expecting you to get is that Flair has made all these enemies over over the last few uh, over the last few months. You've got Ricky Morton, you've got Robert Gibson, you've got the Road Warriors, you've got Magnum and Dusty, and all these people that 
he could defend he could defend the, the title at, at least, well there's at least four or five guys on that list I don't know if that's the story that they are expecting you to make in your head but yeah I think it just needs a bit more of hitting hitting us over the over the head with it. Uh, Doctor G, what are your thoughts on this one? Well, like you, Callum, I like the the fact that um, you know these updates and they make it seem big. You know, you got the NWA president. Even though I agree with you, Scott, the Bob Geigel is you know like a wet napkin. You know, kind of you know whatever. I, whatever you want to think of him, but at least, you know, he was the NWA president. He makes it seem bigger. It's not just Jim Crockett. Um, the thing is what they love to do. The NWA was to make their title seem like that is the real world heavyweight championship. That is the, the, the champion, whoever the champion and has to, to defend that title. Many nights this is going to be 14 out of 30 nights. He's going to be defending that title. Like you said, outside the long match, but what they're also trying to do is, all right, guys, uh, fans, you have an opportunity in one of those cities to possibly see a championship change. And that's why they wanted to make sure, okay, will the new champions still take on those matches? Yes, they will. And so this way, you're when you're selling it, to, when they're coming to each city, you have an opportunity. There's a possibility that you could see a new World Heavyweight Championship crown that evening. And um, so it's all all calculated stuff that they're trying to do to try to make the NWA look like they are the mecca of professional wrestling because at this time you know WWF is coming on strong, um, but we 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 this is where the the real champions um, reside here in the NWA. That's that's basically what they try to do when they're trying to to pump up these things, do these updates, do these uh, um, you know press conferences and all that good stuff, uh, you know, to, for the contract signings, try to make it look like this is the, this is where everybody wants to be. This is the, this is where all the real wrestling takes place at that time. I completely agree. Um, excellent point. Excellent points. Well made there, sir. I, so speaking of the road warriors, um, they are uh, Road Warrior Hawk is, as we say, going to be the first um, challenger to Ric Flair on night one of the Great American Bash. Um, but we um, take our match from the 31st of May with Road Warriors. It's actually from day 14 of the All Japan Pro Wrestling Superpower Series as the Road Warriors take on Giant, the team of Giant Baba and Matoshi Okuma. Uh, we get a fast start to this one as uh, from the Road Warriors as Hawk immediately takes control over Akuma with a whip into the rope and taking him down with a shoulder tackle. Hawk then tags an animal who hits a, bo- a big body slam on Akuma uh, coming off of an Irish whip and then falls it with a big elbow drop. Hawk is tagged back in uh, but Akuma gets a bit of separation and tags in Baba who comes in uh, with as much fire as giant Baba can do uh, nailing Hawk with some punches and then a big boot. Both men exchange punches before Hawk takes down Baba with a scoop slam and falls up with a fist drop. Hawk then misses a diving headbutt from the second rope as Baba moves out of the way and the match breaks down eh, a bit for a second. Hawk makes a tag to Animal who takes down Baba with a big chop and both men make tags to their partners. Hawk takes Akuma down with a big scoop slam and falls that up with a fist drop and a huge clothesline. Hawk then tags Animal back in as the Road Warriors double-team Akuma, which ends up with Animal hitting a power slam from the second rope for the win. Uh, a really good outing here for the Road Warriors. Um, it was a glorified squash match, uh, but it did have a lot in it, uh, given that it was only 2 minutes and 43 seconds in length. Um, I actually went 1.75 on this one, um, only because it was quite short, but it did what it needed to do, and I, I thought it was I thought it was a very enjoyable, a very enjoyable squash match while it lasted. Um, so, Go uh, I'll go to Doctor G first. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, I went I, I went two stars. You know, just an average match. Uh, I, you know, yeah, kind of a squash match, which I was kind of shocked with Baba in it, just because of who he was. I mean, again, he doesn't do anything for me. I, I you know, some of these Japanese matches just don't do anything for me. I, I I I don't see the lore. I understand that some of the Japan stuff got better. Obviously, in the 90s when you had the high flyers and all that. But some of these guys like Bob and all that, they just, you know, the Road Warriors, yeah, they're meant to go in there and squash people, which they kind of did. But 
um, putting them in there, you know, it just, it just seemed very, at times it was just kind of slow and prodding, you know, but I mean, it wasn't the worst thing I saw. That's why I gave it two stars just because I always enjoy a good road warriors, uh, you know, squash in the end. Um, but, um, you can't really say much more than that. I mean, it was just, just okay. Uh, it's hard, you know, when you're watching some of that, because you obviously, again, I, I like the announcing and you can't, I obviously couldn't understand the announcing, and I know we get some of the matches where we don't have announcing at all. Um, but, um, yeah, I mean, I two stars, I wouldn't go any more than that, to be honest. But um, it was something like, it wasn't like I was turning away, looking at my phone like I was like I would in a Wahoo match. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, um, but no, it was good. And I love the Road Warriors. So anytime I could see the Road Warriors, it probably went a little too high. I, uh, you know, I guess, you know, again, splitting hairs, you did 1.75, I do doing two, but um, nothing offensive, but not nothing like, uh, you know, uh, I got to go back and see this match again. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that's absolutely, absolutely valid comments. Um, I, I could have been pushed to go two stars myself, but so it, it's in that, it's in that ballpark. Um, so two stars for Dr. G, 1.75 for myself, and Sean gave this one uh, 1.5 stars in a, a note that he sent to me. Um, so that's your range, Scott. What did you think of this match? I'm coming in hot with Dr. G right now. I gave this two. Nice. It started off with a nice shoulder block at the start from Hulk. Um, and then, as I call him, uh, Creator Baba, because he looks like a creator wrestler from the <laughs> PS2 wrestling games. <laughs> which I think is just a joke and Callum would get. But um but he just looks so awkward in the ring. But Hawk was yeah. killing um ok- Okuyima. Did I say that correctly? Um but he he they were just beating the hell out of him. And the super slam from the top from the middle turnbuckle, I wish the Road Warriors would have done that in Crockett. Because that looked really tough. I know that was probably bad on their knees, but you know, I, I would just be like your super special move you bring out and like th- like against the horseman or something. But this had more action in four minutes than that abomination I had to watch last episode with Arn and Wahoo. There was no smoke breaks to the outside, no BS ending. It was great. I, I love this. I was down to see more of Road Warriors killing people. Yeah, I love Road Warriors. I, I agree. <laughs> Uh, I mean the, the, that shoulder tackle you mentioned right at the very start that was immediately within the first five seconds of the match was 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 more high impact stuff than we saw in that whole Arn Wahoo match from before. Um, now Scott, you mentioned that you that you wanted to see more of the Road Warriors killing people. Um, from the same day, thirty first of May, uh, All Japan TV match, uh, uh, TV show. Um, that is a match between the Road Warriors ver- uh, against the team of Ishin Gundan, which is Animal Hamaguchi and Ricky Joshu. This actually came from the day before the Superpower Series Day 13, uh, but obviously aired on, on the 31st. Uh, Road Warriors, I noticed, came out with the Crockett Cup in tow, uh, which I think is pretty cool. Normally you see... Um, you see them with a the trophy at the end of the final match on the show, um, and then it's forgotten about. Um, but the Warriors are actually lugging it around the world with them, um, and it's not a, it's not a small bit of kit. Um, and before I continue, for the avoidance of doubt, uh, just to clear things up before it gets messy, I will call Road Warrior Animal Animal and Animal Hamaguchi Hamaguchi, so I don't try and uh, so I don't think it. I started off. I had to make the distinction eh, after I started my notes there. Um, Hawk begins this match in the same way as before, taking Choshu down eh, before the streamers are even cleared from the ring eh, with a big shoulder tackle. Um, he then presses Choshu above his head, which is very impressive because Ricky is not a small man by any means, eh, and drops him in a press slam before tagging an animal who proceeds to hit Choshu with a big body slam off an Irish whip and the big elbow drop. Choshu moves out of the way um, of a second elbow drop, which allows him to hit Animal with a big running clothesline, um, which Animal pops right up off, but does sell that he's been hit with a big move um, and tags in Hawk. Um, so only half a no-sell from Animal, but that was that was a vicious-looking clothesline. Choshu counters Hawk's offence uh, and tags in Hamaguchi, but Hawk quickly takes over, following a brief bit of offence from Hamaguchi. 
The match slows down momentarily, but Animal is tagged back in and takes down his namesake with a drop kick to regain control. Hawk is tagged back in for a double team move, uh, a double team atomic drop flying punch combo move. Hawk takes Hamaguchi down with a scoop slam, but Hamaguchi has enough uh, in him to get a tag to Choshu. Choshu comes in like a house of fire, uh, getting the boots up on a hawk charge into the corner, followed up by another big clothesline as the crowd is going wild for their guys. Choshu then locks in the scorpion lock, better known to us as the sharpshooter, but that is broken up by Animal out of desperation and the crowd really thought that was that was going to be it uh, on that one. Hamaguchi comes back in and is in control momentarily, but Hawk takes back control uh, and tags an Animal for another double team combo. Uh, this time, Hawk has Hamaguchi up in his shoulders in a razor's edge-like uh, position. An animal comes off the second rope with a double axe handle, and it turned into uh, a sort of double axe handle dominator type move. Uh, looking to inflict more punishment, Animal lifts up Hamaguchi for an impressive press slam and tags Hawk back in, who immediately comes off the top rope with a big splash which covers over half the ring. Um, Hamaguchi was absolutely miles away from him. Uh, he's almost in the opposite corner. Uh, Choshu tried to break up the cover, but it was too late as Hawk gets the three count. Uh, again, another great match given the time involved. They, uh, there was a lot of notes there. They packed in a lot um, for three minutes and 54 seconds. Uh, this was a bit less of a squash than the last one. Choshu looked very good in the short burst that he had in the ring. Uh, I'm going to go a bit higher on this one. Two and a quarter for me. Um, again, it's really only downrated because of the length and not the com- the content. The content within uh, the match itself was really good. Uh, so I'll go to you first, Dr. G. What are your thoughts on this one? Um, I went two stars on it. Again, I, again, I enjoy, I, I love watching the Road Warriors, especially, you know, just beat the heck out of people. So it's just, just good stuff. I mean, kind of, you know... Um, I, I mean, I, I see where you went. I could, I could maybe have gone a little higher because I, I guess a, a little bit better than the first match. Uh, you know what? I'm going to amend it. I'm going to go 2.25 stars because I think um, I think this one was a little bit better, a little more uh, action back. I thought I, I just I think Baba is just horrible. So mm-hmm. I thought these opponents uh, moved a little better than Baba did. So, uh, so that, I'll go I'll go 2.25 on this. No, that's that, that's fair enough. Uh, Sean went too on it, um, but you could tell that yes, you don't have Baba in it, and you can tell that Ricky Choshu um, is 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 already becoming a star and will be a star um, going forward. So yeah, and, and all in the same, all in the same ballpark um, for that one. So uh, more po- positive things from. Uh, Japan, uh, uh, unlike um, some of the some of the previous matches we've had before, but we close off this episode with our territory spotlight, and we head back uh, stateside. Um, this again is from the thirty first of May. It's a thirty first of May television taping for ESPN from the American Wrestling Association, and it will pit Stan Hansen against Kurt Hennig. Um, we start the video with an interview with Jerry Blackwell in the ring, who's supposed to take on Hansen for the title, uh, but has an ankle injury. Uh, but he says he's glad Henning is getting his shot. Hansen comes out and takes exception to Blackwell, calling him nothing, calling him nothing more than a yellow lily-livered coward. He says that he prepared for two months for a match with Blackwell and now he's got an ankle injury and he hasn't prepared for Kurt Hennig, which, make, which is making him quite the angry chappy. Hansen then uh, jumps Blackwell in attacking the injured ankle before Kurt comes in and makes the save and the match begins. Henny gets the early advantage with a hip toss and a drop kick before it spills outside and Hansen knocks him into the ring post. Hansen then turns his attention to Blackwell, giving him repeated shots with a chair to the injured ankle. Blackwell is helped out and we can now concentrate uh, on the match as Hennig knocks Hansen to the outside with an elbow. Hennig is in control with repeated stops and get repeated stomps, excuse me, and gets a quick two count. Hansen regains control after the kick out and takes Hennig down with a body slam eh, and an elbow for a two count of his own. Hansen locks in a quick headlock and then starts to beat down Hansen with kicks and punches. 
This match uh, is really going back and forth because Herring uh, gets the upper hand and starts to choke Hansen in the corner and both men trade blows in the corner before Hansen takes over with a big Irish whip in the corner which takes Kurt down. Hansen guides Herring down uh, with a hard-hitting stuff you'd uh, expect from him uh, but as quick as Hansen takes over, Kurt comes back Countering a head smash into the turnbuckle with one, countering a head smash into the turnbuckle with one of his own, and then a big scoop slam on Hansen, bringing him back into the ring from the apron. Hennig hits a big splash in the second rope for a two count, but Hansen gives a big kick out, which actually throws Hennig out of the ring. Hansen slams Hennig's head into the ring steps and slams him into the seats at ringside. Uh, Hansen then tries to pull Kurt back in the ring, but Kurt fights back and the two brawl briefly on the outside. We hear the announcement of four and a half minutes remaining and a sinking feeling enters my stomach because I don't remember hearing a time announcement at the start, assuming this must be TV time remaining. Hansen hits a pile driver on Hennig for two, broken up because Kurt got his foot on the rope. Uh, he goes for another one, but this time it's countered by Kurt, who falls up with a mule kick for a two count of his own. Uh, Hennig then hits a monkey flip for a two count. Uh, there's a bit of back and forth happening before Hennig attempts another monkey flip, but it's countered by Stan. Uh, Hansen then goes for an elbow drop, which Hennig moves out of the way. Um, and he rolls Hansen up for a small package for another two count. As uh, Hennig is now selling that he needs to hit something big, whilst Hansen is selling a bit of desperation and needing to bring to uh, needing the bell to ring yesterday. Hennig gets repeated two counts off of a drop kick, and Hansen then gets a two count of his own after an elbow drop. Hansen whips Hennig off the ropes, but uh, Kurt comes back with a flying body, uh, a flying cross body for another two count. He then has a back suplex, but he can't get over for the cover as the 10-second countdown starts. Uh, Kurt then gets another two count as time expires, and Hansen retains the title via the dreaded time limit draw. That was a fantastic match. Um, it was a great back and forth. Uh, you could really buy into the fact that Kurt could win uh, the match at any time. He just had to hit that one big move to keep Hansen down for the extra second he needed. Um, and Hansen trying to survive more than anything else at the end of the match. So great stuff. Great stuff from both men. I've actually gone three and a half on this one. I thought it was absolutely fantastic. Uh, Scott, I'll go to you first. Yeah, I went uh, two and three quarters. Uh, the time limit draw really pissed me off. Uh, I know... Like, you know, that's a way to keep them both. And that was the norm back then. But I was really into this match. I liked it at the very beginning where Hanson was just beating the piss out of Blackwell. It's like, like you said, I was training for you for weeks. And then, like, then Henning runs out and they're just battling. Like, it's a solid back and forth. And it's so weird to see babyface uh, Kurt Henning here. I know he was in AWA and everything. But um, but then Hanson, like, when they were on the outside, Hanson was just beating the piss out of Henning. And I was like... I enjoyed this match so much that like I don't even have that many notes just because I was like enthralled in it. And then they started doing the countdown, and I was I I, I literally groaned. I was like, because like ten seconds, and Henning's like not trying to win, which infuriates me. At least try to pin him or something, you know. But he was just like la 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 la. I'm gonna you know hit a move here. So that's why I took away from it. I, that's why I went two and three quarters. But it, it was a hell of a match. Yeah, I can I can understand downgrading for the for the, the the sort of hackneyed finish, but yes, I agree. It was a it was a fantastic match, and and I, I, yeah, I think I glossed over how excellent the the Blackwell attack at the start was as well. So, um, yeah, excellent stuff. And Doctor G, round us out with your comments um, on on this match. I went at three point five like you did, Callum, and and you know I like like you said I like the way they set it up with then you know him attacking Blackwell and then Kurt Henning coming in pretty hot, Hanson beating the hell out of him, which is what you want you see you want to have that good baby face you know get beat down so they could come back. Um, yeah, a little disappointing at the end. Now again, I that's this happened a lot in those days because if the championship wasn't gonna change hands it it leaves everybody looking good in the end but i agree with you i think the only disappointing probably what present prevented me from going four stars on it was the fact that yeah henny could have done a little bit more like like he was going to try to pin him you know like instead of just kind of like letting the time run out um so i agree with you scott on that 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 probably prevented me from going higher on this match but uh, i agree with you i didn't have a lot of notes because i was enjoying it 
just very action packed. The crowd, you know, AWA crowd sometimes are not uh, as hot as uh, some of the other territories, but for this match they were. And um, you know, Hanson did a pretty good job working with uh, with Kurt Henning. Uh, you know, Kurt, Kurt, you could see how great he was. Um, you know, at that time, and you know, even we've seen even later in his career. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I really, uh, I, I enjoyed this one a lot. You know, because sometimes when you see the AWA matches, I'm like, eh, we're gonna get some boring. But this was not boring at all. No, absolutely not. And uh, you can, uh, we saw not so Mr. Perfect Jerry Stubbs on the last one and we've now got the, the real Mr. Perfect the real Mr. Perfect that we all know and love um, and he pulls out a typical Mr. Perfect performance um, yeah so so great stuff all round I can also confirm that Sean went three and a half on this one as well so yeah I think that's I think it's everyone fair comments fair comments all round um, I can see why they why they, the, the time limit draw has knocked it down for you, Chef. But that closes up a, another month um, of uh, television for um, Crockett. That has now come to the completion of um, May uh, of 1986. Now, we will round up some awards, uh, aggregated awards for the last two episodes. Um, so the first award up is the David Crockett Award for the Best Overall Moment. Now, I have got, I think there's plenty to choose from, but I think uh, I'm actually going to change my mind on the spot here and go with the Tully, Garvin, Leo Burke angle from the the, the 31st um, World Championship Wrestling. Uh, Dr. G, what are you what are you thinking on that one? Um, I agree with you. Uh, Scott? Yeah, uh, a close one is Flair re-breaking uh, Morton's nose. But um, yeah, it's a good one. Th- th- it's like one A and maybe like, like, like if we were grading it, it was like a ninety five, and the other one was like ninety three. But they were both really amazing. Yeah, absolutely. The, the Arn Anderson Award for the best promo, I went for uh, Jim Cornette um, on the, the the one where he introduces Big Bubba and gets himself in a in a twist about the uh, the James Boys. Uh, so Scott, what are you thinking on that one? I'm thinking, sorry. Uh, Skip me. Skip me. Uh, Okay, Dr. G? You know, I had a tough time with this, but I went on the two two Tully um, interviews. Good choice as well. Yeah, Tully and JJ interviews, because I just thought that that Tully was really... uh, I just love the interaction between those two. And again, they just... I said the horsemen, they just put everybody else to shame when it comes to the mic work. Um, I don't want to say everybody. Obviously, you got Jim Cornette, and when Dusty's on, he's pretty good. But but the road war, I, I mean, the um, four horsemen are always on. So uh, it was tough, though. I I, I, I love the Cornette promo as well. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with the Cornette promo. Um, it, it was just amazing, and he hit all the beats there with the James Gang and then with um, going back with Baby Doll. I, I, I'm going with them. No, no argument there. That's obviously the one I went, but no argument for the for the Tully ones as well because it's been uh, excellent promos all round. Um, the Dusty Rhodes Broken Leg Award. That's for the best angle starting or continuing this month. I've actually gone for the James Boy stuff with Jim Cornette because I think Cornette's carrying this. Uh, Doctor G, what you what you got? I, I agree. I like that. I, I like. I mean, the storyline's kind of corny in some ways, but I just love the fact that watching Cornet freak out it's 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 just good stuff uh scott i'm gonna go with tully because i loved how like we've had like it's been slowly starting with garvin they make him not use the tape anymore and then he knocks him out with the tape and i want to see a tape fixed match between these two men so that that's what i'm going with and the second would be actually uh Nikita and Magnum, because we're finally hitting, you know, the the, the peak of this feud. Yeah, I mean, I, honestly, I, I tell you, really, all three could, <laughs> could consider uh, fair point on all on, on for everyone. I mean, there's nothing you could argue with there. 
Yeah, I think other than really, I don't think there's many wrong wrong answers unless she went unless she went Wahoo and Garvin or the Steve Regal um, introduction. I don't think there's really any any wrong answers on this one. Um, the Magnum TA award for the best match, I've gone for Hennig and Hansen. Um, I don't think anything comes close to to come close really close to touching it. Hey, uh, Doctor G. I agree. There's no, nothing that comes close that we've watched. Uh, yeah, uh, let's make it three in a row. I, I don't think there's going to be any dispute on this one. The Jimmy Valiant Award for worst match. I have gone Wahoo and Arn. As much as it pains me to put Arn in the worst match. Can Same. we name it the Wahoo Award? I th- well, uh, we would if not for this next one. The Wahoo Award for the least valuable player of the month. I have gone with Wahoo McDaniel. Yes. Yep. <laughs> I think we're all in agreement on that one. It's like the Razzies of, uh, of these awards. <laughs> he, uh, yeah, he is a walking Razzie. Um, the, and finally, the Ric Flair Award for the MVP of the month. I have gone for James E. Cornette because I think he has been fantastic in carrying the James Boy angle um, all, uh, throughout, throughout, the, well, throughout the whole time, but certainly in, in, in this last episode. Uh, Dr. G, what are you thinking? Oh, I'm having a tough time with this one. Again, I think this is one of these ones. No wrong no answers. I I just, I have to go with Tully. I just love Tully this month. Okay. That's not going to get an argument from me on that one. Uh, Chef? I'm going Tully as well. Um, I love the tape fist stuff. And then, like, you know, they he was part of the people that broke... Uh, Morton's nose, as with the Horseman, so I, I just enjoyed it, and he saved Arn from losing to Hector Guerrero. Yes, of course, yeah. Um, no, I, I, you're getting you're getting no arguments for, from from this side of the pond on that one because Tully has had, as we mentioned, Tully has been on fire in this last minute. Everything he's hitting, is that he's hitting a home run every time he comes out to the podium. But that is us um, come to the end of another episode, folks. Um, Next time out, we are going to have a, a special episode. We're going to go back to the 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 pre crock uh, and roll um, year in reviews. Uh, we will be discussing uh, matches from uh, prior to our timeline that have taken place in the year 1984. Um, so we've got uh, six matches on the docket for that one, carefully curated by Sean, who will be back on that episode. Um, so. Uh, you have that to look forward to as we just take a, a short break before we before we head into June for more Great American Bash build-up. Uh, so, Dr. G, uh, what uh, have you got going on for the good people of the PTB Wrestling Network? Well, you can catch me and the podfather, Scott Criscolo himself. Uh, every Saturday morning, uh, we drop the NWA Saturday special at 9 a.m. Get your coffee ready, you know, your donuts, whatever you want to eat for breakfast. And um, listen to us break down the new NWA as we head towards NWA 74. Excellent stuff. And Chef, what have you got going on? Uh, just check out all the pods here on, um, you know, the Place to Be Wrestling Network and the Pop Feed and uh, the No So Feed. And I can be found on Twitter at Scott underscore Shiflet. Lovely job, boy. Thank you very much. Uh, for me, um, you can find me as a voice on Wrestling's Chicken Salad. Last episode covered SummerSlam 1995. Um, also, uh, the second episode of Starflation will have come out to you as well, where we looked at, um, at KG Muto versus Big Van Vader five-star match from the early 90s, and the year is escaping me. Um the special relations is due for a comeback any time uh, within the next few weeks or so um, to coincide with Clash at the Castle. Um, and if you could like, follow and subscribe any and or all of our um, streaming uh, accounts at twitch.tv forward slash place to be nation. Place to be nation, all one word, on YouTube, facebook.com forward slash ptbn live or p at PTB and YouTube on Twitter it would be greatly appreciated um, but that as I say rounds up another episode of NWA Croc and Roll we will be back in two weeks for that special episode where we look at uh, the 
um, year 1984 with some of our Crockett favourites um, and some uh, hidden um, hidden gems in there as well. Um, so we look forward to bringing you that in a couple of weeks' time. Um, I believe we've got a special episode lined up for episode 50 also, um, but we'll be back uh, just giving you a breather before we head into June of 1986. Uh, but until next time, uh, we'll see you in two weeks. Thank you.